I wanted a career in which everything would matter. So I joined the CIA, and now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit cia.gov careers to learn more and apply. You are listening to the Sideline SAS Podcast, Episode 49, College Gridiron Showcase Preview, Part 2. In this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by one of the co-founders of the event, Craig Redd. Craig is a former agent, and he talks about the inception and evolution of the showcase, as well as his favorite part, the seminars. Later, I am joined by Wisconsin fullback Mason Stocky, who talks about the weird Big Ten season, his favorite NFL fullbacks, and the versatility he believes he could bring to an NFL team. To close out the episode, I connect with Oregon tight end Hunter Camp Moyer, who shares his favorite Pac-12 football memories, talks about how he identifies with fullbacks, and shares why coming from a small town like Bishop, California, made him a stronger player. But first, some housekeeping stuff. Hey guys, Emily Van Buskirk here. Welcome to the Sideline SAS podcast, a proud member of the Brawl Podcast Network. If this is your first time listening, I'm glad you found me. The Sideline SAS podcast is generally produced every two weeks just for you, and the show notes can be found on the episode page at Spreaker.com. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts, and feel free to rate and review. Let your girl know how she's doing. If you feel like getting social as well as sassy, make sure to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter, at Sideline Sass with three S's. Or if you're more like my mom and prefer a wholesome connection, go ahead and like the show on Facebook. If you like what you hear and you want to see more, check out the website www.sidelinesass.com with three S's for more sports content. Feel free to follow the SAS on my personal account at MLNEM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you didn't catch all that, no worries. All of those links and handles can be found in the show notes. And I'm excited to announce the addition of Sideline SAS merchandise to the brand. If you want your very own Sideline SAS dad hat, head over to the Brawl Network website and get your very own. But uh, for now, let's uh, go talk to some people. All right, Sideline SAS podcast listeners, we are back with the part two of the College Gridiron Showcase preview podcast series. That is a mouthful. I know. I'm sorry. I'm trying to come up with a nickname. Haven't landed one yet, but we'll see. Maybe one of the guests will come up with something. First episode, you guys got to meet Mike Riddleman, talk about the event. We got to meet two very talented quarterbacks in Brady Davis and Colin Hill, who will be showcasing their skills in Fort Worth. Now I'm joined in this episode by one of the co-founders of the event, Craig Red. He's a former agent, and he is going to walk us through you know, how this got started, what it means to the players, what it means to him. And we're definitely going to touch on some things that you guys haven't heard yet. So welcome to the podcast, Craig. Great. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. And I'm sure this is a crazy time of the year. We're X amount of days away from heading to Fort Worth and you're probably so busy. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me because I have so many questions, much like my listeners. The College Gridiron Showcase is a newish event to this kind of stuff with the Senior Bowl having been around a little bit. I learned a lot about it this year from being part of it, and so many people are asking me on social what it is about. Why don't you tell people a little bit about how you guys, how the idea came to be and how you guys started it? 
Sure. Uh, well, uh, Jose, Jefferson, and myself mm-hmm. uh, were helping out another small all-star game. Or really, I was helping out the small all-star game when I was an agent. And I'd asked Jose to come down. He and I had been friends for since 1999. And oh, wow. I asked him to come down to kind of help me with a portion of, of the event afterwards doing some uh, combine stuff. Okay. And... You know, we wound up getting thrust into not helping, but kind of running it because the person who was who was who was running it got sick, and he usually did everything with interns. So I was kind of the person who had some experience. He's like, "Here, I need your help," <laughs> and so I, I kind of wound up running it, and I dragged Jose in with me since he had so much experience as a coach and okay. doing a lot of things. So pulled him into to kind of help me while we were down there. Um, and then after the event, you know, we pulled it off, you know, did everything uh, we could for the players and putting on a good event. But afterwards, we were going back to the airport, going to our respective cities, and he and I were just complaining about things that could be do- done better okay. by, the, by the organizer. And we were sitting at the airport, and we were just, both of us just had a list of things we could do better. And before you know it, we both had pages worth of things that we would just do differently. Okay. Um, got back to our respective cities, kept talking about a month or so went by, and, you know, as we are going, I go, well, you know what? If you think you can do it better, Jose, <laughs> just do it. have at it. Like, you know, <laughs> just do it. Um, and, you know, Jose is definitely a high-challenge person. Yeah. And he's, he's like, well, you know, maybe we will. <laughs> and we kept talking, and a couple more months went by, he goes, you do realize we're already knee deep in this and, and we're probably going to do this, right? <laughs> it's so, too far uh, now. <laughs> exactly, you know, and so we, we decided that, you know, we would we would give it a try and uh, 2015 was the first year we did, the, you know, first event and mm-hmm. quite honestly, we both came away from it exhausted Yeah, and very frustrated because we didn't do anything different than the other games that were out there. We didn't do anything different than the Senior Bowl or the East-West and PA had just started. And, you know, we were putting on a gala, but that's not what we really wanted to do. Thought about it for a long time. We came up with a bunch of revisions. Jose's like, you know, I really think this is the direction we needed to go. And I was like, well, you know what? I agree. Like, I think that's better. It's, It's more what we want to do, which is more of the showcase. Right. Second, second year came in, we did you know, do what we were doing, and we loved it. Okay. Um, and we're like, this is the direction we want to go. And, you know, every year we, we make tweaks to try to make it a little bit better. And here we are now going into year seven. And, <laughs> you know, over that period of time, you know, we've had over the first six years, we've helped more than 500 players get NFL opportunities. Wow. We currently have... 83 guys in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Um, three all pros this year alone. Yeah, I saw a that. That's bowler, awesome. You know, a pro bowler mm-hmm. and nine Super Bowl rings. Wow. That's pretty good. Some pretty good numbers there. <laughs> so, you know, it, we're, we're, we're excited and it just kind of evolved every year. Just we tweak something and something got a little different. And it, it, it all, so far, it's, it's worked out for the best. Do you find that the feedback? for the event um, being different and being this kind of OTA format, do you find that the feedback from, I'm curious about the feedback from the players, do they like that it's different from these other events? And then the feedback from the scouts that they get to see something different from just, you know, game and practice week scenarios. The players 
they, they do love it. We keep their bodies a little fresher. We're not getting them beat up for a game that, quite honestly, the scouts don't even stay for. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at first, the players are a little apprehensive because, you know, they're so used to hearing about a game. Right. So they, they, they think they're coming to a game, but once they start understanding what we're doing, mm-hmm. they see that it's easier for the scouts to evaluate them okay. doing what we're doing, and they get excited about that, and, and it, it keeps their bodies fresh. It, you know, they're not getting beat up. They don't have to worry about trying to learn and install offenses and defenses. Right. Scouts, scouts just want to see those guys go at it and see their athleticism. Right. And the format that we have allows them to do that. Uh, scouts love it. Scouts think it's so refreshing, and they don't want to sit there and waste a day or two mm-hmm. watching people install offenses or defenses. Yeah, because that's a process. They don't want to see that. Yeah. And th- I mean, teams teams do that year. It takes a whole season for a team to do that. So how can you expect it to be crammed into one week? I've never thought of it that way, but that's actually a very valid point. <laughs> and they want to evaluate guys. That's yeah. the reason they're there. They, they want to be able to evaluate. And the way they can evaluate is to watch the one-on-ones, to watch the mm-hmm. you know, inside runs, to watch you know, some seven-on-sevens. You know, we normally, in, in years past, we normally do a quick, you know, a full team period, but we, we keep it so the scouts can watch what they're doing. And I think the, the first or second year we, we went to the OTA style. Yeah. I remember one scout coming to Jose and I and just said, I've seen so many one-on-ones, I'm tired. <laughs> and, and quite honestly, we took, we took that as really a compliment because the scout's like, I got to make some really good evaluations, right. especially on the big guys. He's like, because I got to see so many one-on-ones, I got to see these guys compete. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't get higher praise than that from a scout. So that's pretty incredible. No, we loved it. <laughs> well, this year, especially given the fact that guys, I mean, they don't have the film that they would normally have. Some guys didn't have a season at all. And a lot of them were limited and COVID just affected so many things. Like, yes, there was a college football season, but it was so different and abnormal. So we talk a lot about how events like this in the Senior Bowl are important to these guys that are deciding to go to the draft um, in such an odd year. So is the interest this year different in, in that it's scouts have made it clear that it's extremely important to see guys, especially since they couldn't get out to schools the normal way that they usually would? Yes, mm-hmm. um, but they also understand that it's a weird year. Mm-hmm. So once again, we've changed the event in terms of how players are and what players are doing on the field. Okay. But the scouts have explained to us, and then one of the reasons we kind of did what we're doing this year is because scouts talked to us and said, there are three things that we care about this year. Okay. We just want to see their body type. So, you know, allow the way in and let the scouts kind of see what the guys look like. They want to get interviews, which is really the most important thing for, for the scouts and for the players, quite honestly, is, is doing the interviews and getting the, the time to, to talk to each other. Okay. And they said, if we can see guys run around a little bit, <laughs> we're good. Wow. Okay. That doesn't seem too hard. Um, Those are pretty three pretty doable things. <laughs> they are. It's hard because normally we do a five day, four, you know, four night event for our main groups. And then this year, you know, Jose challenged us to condense it to three days, two nights. Yeah. A lot of things to try to squeeze in in that time, you know, because there's a lot of 
testing that the NFL wants to do, and they're using our event to do a lot of the testing and stuff like that. But we yeah. have a lot of things to cram in in such a short time. But you know, I, I think based off of the schedule, I think we're we're going to be able to do it. But that was the most important thing to the scouts that they want to see. So again, the way our event set up, we want to be what the scouts need and what the players need. Yeah. It sounds like such a simple thing to say, you know, this is why we're doing it and what we need it for. But the fact that you guys actually listen, you know, to the scouts and what they need, that's, I think, one of the most incredible things about it. And then outside of the field, you guys have these symposiums and you and I chatted a little bit about this And that's kind of, you said, your baby. So I'd like, I've heard a little bit about what it is that those symposiums entail, but do you think you could explain it to me a little bit more um, about what really goes on in those meetings and why they're important? The symposium is my pride and joy, so I'm more than happy to talk about it. Awesome. Um, As as we've talked about, you know, when I I was an agent, and most of the players that I represented were, you know, free agent type guys, you know, stuck in the league, but a lot of those guys never got the same benefit as the drafted players for what used to be the NFL rookie symposium. And so those players never got the same opportunity. And so when we started CGS, we understood we weren't trying to go after the senior bowl guys or the East West. We weren't trying to go after the the top draft guys. We were looking for the late round through free agent type kids. Okay. But what we also want to give those guys is the same opportunity and the same really education that the the, the draft that rookies were getting. Right. In terms of just going into the league with your eyes opened a little bit. You know, we don't expect that these guys are always going to remember everything that we taught them during the symposium or talked about. Mm-hmm. But we want them to at least have their eyes open so when they go into the league, they're smarter than before they got there and understand kind of what goes on right so this way when they get there they're it's not a total shock and they're not going out there and completely blowing their money or saying oh yeah i remember hearing about that <laughs> yeah. and, and just and just are a little bit more educated about the nfl and mm-hmm. the, the pro side of things because they're not getting that education back in college right and they are and, kids they're, they're just not getting that that's what people forget is, you know, they look like adults in these bodies and they play like adults, but they're kids, you know, they're coming out of a school environment where they're very protected within the program. And now, you know, you have an agent and you have all these expenses and you're going to be possibly having all this money to handle and responsibility that you yourself are responsible for, not your, you know, coaches or anybody else. And you see some guys falter with that. So it is an important part of the game that's definitely overlooked. And I think that's so great that you guys do that. It's just very important for them just to have some of that. And the nice thing is, is when we ask guys after the event's over and then give them a, a little bit of time to decompress after the event while they're starting to train for the combine or their pro days, mm-hmm. we ask them, you know, what things were you know important what things can we do better what can you know what things did they like and things like that and it's always nice to see that a lot of the guys always mention the seminars that we do Mm -hmm. were so helpful so eye-opening to them it's it's just nice to nice to hear nice to see that you know they're paying attention and you know i I remember a couple years ago one player walked out of after the financial seminar was was done and he was waiting for the next seminar to start and he was talking to one of the guys there and he just said, man, my mind is blown. He goes, 
I'm not going to do, he's like, I'm not going to do anything except order pizza and stay home and play my PlayStation after practice. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to spend any money. He's like, I'm not going to have any money left. <laughs> that is and adorable. It, just, it made me laugh. And I just said, uh, you just came out of this seminar, right? He's like, yeah. He's like, Man, you know, I thought these guys made a lot of money. He goes, I'm not going to have anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the amount of you know people you got to pay it to and and taxes and all that stuff. They don't. It's not as much as it seems. You know. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not. And I, I just I found that money. That like, is that's going to stick with me. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I'm glad that it sticks. Who do you, if you don't mind me asking, I'm curious who you guys get to speak to them. Do you get like former NFL guys or people that have been around the game so that they'll actually you know the players will listen to them or who, who does these talks generally we do and, it, and it's different it's all different conversations so mm-hmm. sometimes we have uh keynote speakers who want to speak to the players okay um you know sometimes we have sponsors that we kind of really kind of vet a little bit to see what their background is and stuff like that but quite honestly especially this year mm-hmm. um i do a seminar about professional development and i have for the last few years okay having been in the business as an agent and as a sports consultant mm-hmm. i can talk to these guys a little bit about you know professional development and what it takes what they need to do you know how to help them you know build a business right one of our board members uh rod newhouse uh-huh. is he has seen this business from every angle so uh, Rod's father was, you know, a, a cowboy great, uh, Robert Newhouse. Okay. So Rod grew up around the game. He also played uh, at co- in college, you know, played in the NFL for a little bit. He was an NFL player personnel director for 10 years. Um, he was an agent for a year or two, and then he realized wow. that was just a terrible move. <laughs> um, he's been a financial advisor for like 12, 14 years or something like that. He has seen the business from every angle. Okay. So when he talks to the players, not only can he talk the financial side of things, because that's what he does now, but he can talk to them about what teams are looking for from a scouting perspective. Talk to players about, you know, the interview process and, and things that they need to do when, you know, when they get to the league that, hey, being, you know, the, the lower guy in the totem pole, they need to, you know, really do things at, at a, you know, above average level. Right. Um, and, and work harder, but he, because he's seen it, he can speak so much, you know, really give these guys so much knowledge about the game. Right. And, and just about the, you know, the NFL life that I, I don't know if anyone can really match the knowledge that he has because he's seen it from every angle. Right. Um, you know, another one of our board members talked about branding and, and how to do things. So, you know, we... We, we have a lot of expertise within our group mm-hmm. that when we talk to these guys, um, yeah, I think we bring instant credibility because we've all been around this game for so long. Yeah. You guys all have different aspects to complete this whole product, which is kind of very unique about what everybody brings to this team. And I'm so excited to meet everybody next week um, when we get to Fort Worth. My last question to you is, what is there this year is obviously different like we talked about but it seems like going through the roster you've got a great group of players to showcase this this year at the event um what do you think makes this group special is there any you know specific position group that you're excited about looking at that scouts are excited about there's anything you can tell me about the group this year uh, I, I think overall top mm-hmm. to bottom is probably maybe one of our more talented groups okay um 
just overall, this this really might be one of our, our strongest rosters. I mean, the, the numbers are down, mm-hmm. but overall, the, the talent level is probably as high as we've we've had over the seven years. I mean, we, we really have some some great talent. Yeah. Uh, quite honestly, I'm, I'm pretty excited about a bunch of groups, but like our quarterback group, uh, this and I think we've had some talented quarterbacks in the past, but I think this might be one of our yeah. most talented quarterback groups. I mean, we just have some you know, some very interesting guys in here, but some guys who who can spin it. Um, yeah. You know, we have, we have Peyton Ramsey, I think is a, you know, a, a really good get for us. Yeah. Um, Zach Thomas, mm-hmm. Zach Smith. I mean, I, I'm excited to see those guys. Yeah. You know, we have tight end from central Missouri, you know, Zach Davidson, you know, who, who I'm, I'm really excited to see and, and scouts have, had nothing but, but great things to, to say about him. And we have two guys uh, coming have, on the podcast after you in this episode. One is a tight end from Oregon, and he's incredible, Hunter. And then I actually mm-hmm. I actually scouted the only fullback in the group, Mason Stocky from Wisconsin. I'm a huge fullback girl, favorite position in the whole world, so I had to track him down and talk to him. <laughs> and they're both very excited, you know, to be able to showcase – the multitude of skills they have in their position. So, and, and I think that's great. And, you know, I mean, if we're sticking on tight ends, I mean, we also have Sean uh, Bayer out of yep. you know, Iowa. Iowa, mm-hmm. you know, a, another guy who, who's just you know exciting. We have some exciting offensive linemen mm-hmm. um, that that I think are just going to really kind of open some eyes. You know, we have uh, you know Ryan McCollum out of you know Texas A and M. I think he is. You know, he, he's great. It's a lot. Coyote from Buffalo. Yeah. Again, that, you know, the fact that, you know, he he's coming, I'm excited to see that kid. Yeah, Buffalo uh, had a phenomenal year. They were so fun to watch this year. They, they were. They, <laughs> they, they really are. I mean, I, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Mac. The, the Mac <laughs> are, yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the Mac players, they, they just get it after. You know, they're they not definitely the highest, you know, ranked guys initially, but where those guys get after it and they stick. Coaches, <laughs> they, they, coaches they love them. The yeah, coaches like them because they work hard. They're they're not about the flash that all these other conferences get. They're and they're fun to watch. Those games, I love me some action on on Thursday night. So it's absolutely it's a good time. But all right, well, thank you so much, you know, Craig, for joining and talking about this incredible event. We're so excited to be out there and be part of this broadcasting. I'm just excited to meet everybody. So, you know, looking forward to getting out to Fort Worth. Yeah, I can't wait. It's been all over social media so far, and then we'll finally get to meet in person. So it's going to be exciting. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, and I'll see you out there in Texas. Yeah, we'll see you in a few weeks. All right, guys, stay tuned. We've got two more players on this podcast going to talk about how excited they are for the College Gridiron Showcase and what they expect to show coaches and NFL scouts when they're in Fort Worth. So stay tuned. All right, Sideline Sass listeners, I'm joined now and I'm going to try and temper my excitement because you guys know Fullback is a huge thing for me. I will fight anybody, anywhere, anytime about the position and what it means to football in general. But I am very fortunate today to speak with a young man who just finished playing fullback at Wisconsin, Mason Stocky. Welcome to the Sideline Sass podcast. It's good to be here. <laughs> very, very excited, I can tell. It's yeah. <laughs> you are joining us next week in Fort Worth for the College Gridiron Showcase and 
This event is definitely a newer one, not as much on people's radars until recently as the Senior Bowl, but very important in this year, especially given everything going on with COVID and how the season played out. Um, what does an event like this mean for you to get eyes of NFL coaches and scouts on you um, before the draft? You know, it's it's huge. Like you said, this is, especially this year, this is, you know, one of the events, mm-hmm. you know, if if any, depending on if some of the stuff gets canceled, to finally, you know, get in-person interviews and for them to see you kind of do what you do. So um, in that aspect, it's huge just, just for the opportunity. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be a really good opportunity to kind of show what you can do and um, kind of your ability face-to-face with some scouts it is it's amazing and what these guys do it's so it's so important this year more than ever so very excited to get out there do you get a lot of I don't want to say raised eyebrows because that seems kind of skeptical but do people you know ever comment on the position like that you play because it's it's not something that's people don't understand the fullback it's very misunderstood I could go on forever about it I really I don't want to get worked up but do they ask you how how you fit in, you know, to to the modern spread offense? Do you get that question a lot ever? I mean, you know, it kind of goes either one or two ways, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess coming from Wisconsin, either mm-hmm. someone will understand how they utilize fullbacks and how important it is in the offense. So, you know, you get those people and then other people are, you know, they're kind of like fullbacks. What's that? They don't even, <laughs> they don't really even know, know what the fullback <laughs> position is. So you kind of explain it to them. And, but, so that's kind of the things I get. Yeah. Well, you are actually on, I'm not sure how much you follow. Like, I never know if guys read their clippings or if you guys like read articles about yourselves. Cause I, I imagine that's gotta be weird. I, I wouldn't know, but I'm sure it's kind of strange, but there was an article where Mel Kuyper Jr. is talking about you being, you know, one of the biggest Wisconsin guys to come out in this draft and particularly at the fullback position, because Usually that position doesn't get taken, you know, earlier than the fifth round, if at all, you know, in the draft process. And he listed you as his number two fullback prospect. Did you see that at all? Or do you have a reaction to that? I think I saw something just online. Yeah. Um, I don't know if someone shared it, but yeah, I did see that. You know, it's a big honor, especially in his eyes. I know he's a very respected guy. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that was was really cool to see, see my name up there and kind of the top five guys and um, yeah it was just it was really exciting I thought it was really cool it is pretty cool he and he is definitely a guy that knows his stuff so uh it's got to bode well for for the upcoming draft for you and you're following in the footsteps of a school like you said Wisconsin no stranger to the position which is nice because around the country it can vary and you've got guys you know like Alec Ingold and Derek Watt as, you know, people to look up to and model yourself after. What is that like coming from a school that has such prolific fullbacks um, that have gone into the NFL? Yeah, you know, it um, gives me good confidence just kind of taking the next steps. Um, I know that you just at Wisconsin get developed um, into a versatile player Mm -hmm. where, you know, you're ready for whatever team asks for you at the fullback position mm-hmm. um, and just kind of learning under Alec Ingold. He taught me a lot while he was here and he's even helped me, um, you know, while he's gone in the league, um, you know, in the off season. So that's been great. Just keeping that tradition alive. And I wasn't there when Derek Watt was there, but yeah. I know 
Alec learned from him. So it's, it is a really great tradition and gives you a really good confidence um, taking the next steps coming from Wisconsin. It's like a pretty incredible family tree that you just named, you know, Alec learning from Watt and then you learning from him. Who do you think is the craziest? See, you know, fullbacks get the moniker. Y'all are a little, you're very like calm people, but a little bit crazy because the position requires you to kind of be running into the fire while everyone else is running away. So every coach I talk to is like, yeah, these guys have to have a little bit of that craziness in them. Who do you think out of the three of you guys would be the craziest in in like a good way? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know Derek too well. Okay, um, well, they could just between you and Alec. Who's crazier, <laughs> me or Alec? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's that's a hard question. I think we're both willing to throw it in there. Okay. Um, in that aspect, so you know, we're you know off the field. I guess we're we're both kind of cool and collected guys. Right. So. Um, I guess it's kind of hard to say. <laughs> well, you are the guys that people don't want to mess with, you know. You yeah. won't you won't necessarily incite something, but, you know, if push comes to shove. And those are the guys you need to be scared of, the ones that are quiet. That's what Matt Drinkall told me um, at Army. So I've always been on the lookout. Um, and you definitely have a cool, calm demeanor. So I'm, I'm sure facing you on the field is not fun for the guys on the other side. Now, you made the switch... Speaking of guys on the other side, you were a linebacker yourself, and I'm assuming that's what you played, you know, up until you made that switch before the 2018 season. What was that like? Did you ever think that you might end up, you know, on the offensive side, or were you always, you know, zoned into um, being a linebacker? In high school, I was a two-way player. I played running back and linebacker, mm-hmm. and then I got recruited as a linebacker. So I guess going in, I never really thought – you know, I'd make the switch to offense because then I would, in my mind, it would be running back. Yeah. Um, I guess I never really thought of fullback. And then <laughs> going in uh, as a linebacker, you know, a couple injuries, and there was a lot of really talented guys that are in the NFL now ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a good opportunity to switch, and Coach Chris kind of brought that up to me, and I thought it was a great idea. Um, and I was be able to learn from Alec and Gold, mm-hmm. which was really good. So, yeah, that kind of helped make the switch just just having some experiences in high school too and then yeah. having Alec there. And so, yeah, it helped. And even playing linebacker too, it helps you. Um, yeah. They're, they're very similar positions in a lot of ways. That's true. What is the best piece of advice Alec gave you for the position, whether it translates off the field, on the field, for life? Like, is there anything that he said to you that's really stuck with you over the years? Um, that's hard to narrow <laughs> down to one piece of information. That's um, fair. Just because he's, you know, it's so much of just like yeah. helping me at the position, you know, uh, just everything. So yeah. Maybe, maybe I guess one thing that comes to mind right now is just don't overthink it. Ah, okay. So that's a good one, especially because fullbacks have to you kind of keep your eye on every single part. You know, other positions only have to know certain plays. They only have to watch certain things. But in your position, you have to kind of have a hand in everything and be watching all things at all time. How do you organize that and keep your mind focused and quiet when there's so many things going on? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it just comes from practice and preparing and repetition. You just kind of get used to playing fast and mm-hmm. knowing like if this guy you know chip through to your guy or kind of get a feel of where the hole is going to be and uh, i would just say with a lot of practice 
a lot of practice. Get it down. Okay. Is there any other fullback that you watch or other – it doesn't have to be a fullback. Any player in the NFL that you watch besides Alec that you model yourself after that you like to, you know, keep an eye on their game? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of guys I like to watch in the NFL um, fullback position. Um, you know, CJ Ham for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like watching him. Juice Check for yeah. the Niners. You know, Patrick Rickard mm-hmm. um, for the Ravens. So, you know, there's a bunch of guys that I like to watch. And if there's a game on, usually um, you're looking just for that for a fullback <laughs> to get in the game, and I'll be watching them. So. Did you see the Barstool created the fullback assist stat in the recent years? Yeah, I did see them. What do you think of that? Because, like, one of the things about fullbacks, there's not a lot of metrics. You know, I was talking to um, a former fullback from Auburn, Jay Prosh, and he said, you know, I had like three catches. My stats on the site were never, you could never tell what my, you know, level of performance was in the game because there's no stats. So, was it kind of cool to see Barstool come up with something that registered what you guys are doing? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely really cool. I uh, I follow bar- Barstool, and mm-hmm. I, don't know, I think those guys are hilarious, and they're fun to watch. So um, I thought it was really cool how how much they uh, like fullbacks and them doing that. So that was, was really cool because, I mean, like like you said, I mean, you don't get a ton of touches. So yeah, it's like, well, what stats are there? <laughs> yeah. Well, how can you measure it? And that one, that one specifically, the assist is a good one. But do you think there's, when you're looking at a fullback play or you're watching your film, what is the thing that stands out to you as you doing a good job, doing what you're supposed to do? You know, the biggest thing that I look at is, I mean, it's the name of the game is blocking. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you just look at if they do their job, if they block their guy well, if they're getting movement, is the guy getting off the block right away or bringing on him? So... You know, that's what I usually look for. Okay. And then, you know, the Big Ten this year was tough because it looked like you guys weren't going to play, and then you end up having the season, and it's just been so much confusion with everything. What was it like, you know, navigating that kind of roller coaster of will we, won't we, and then finally getting those games to play? Yeah, you know, it was it was a weird deal. You know, it was unlike any season I've ever had. <laughs> so it was just, just kind of weird, like one – one day you're told, all right, um, game's canceled, and mm-hmm. you're you're two days into prep, and then you know at one point our team had to you know go quarantine our whole team. Yeah. For it was about like a week and a half or so in the middle of the season. So. Yeah. You know it was just it was just weird that way, but um, I felt like our guys handled it pretty well, and you know it was good uh, good experience to learn from. That's true. You got through it, and we made it to the end, the national championship game last night. I'm assuming you watched it. Was yeah. Was it what you expected, or did you think it was going to be more of a game? You know, I <laughs> kind of expected it, but you never know. You know, I just you see all the weapons on Alabama's offense, yeah, and then you see kind of Ohio State's defense struggle a little bit. So, but you know, I mean, you never know. So, <laughs> but yeah. They showed out. I, I, to be fair, I knew because I predicted a three touchdown victory for Alabama and they bested me and did four. But if you looked at the numbers for Ohio State secondary, it was pretty clear that Bama was going to shut him. And Justin Fields, he just does not thrive in those big game moments. I mean, we saw him collapse last year against Clemson in Fiesta Bowl and I just knew it was coming. So 
It, I'm sure people thought it was going to be more even, but I was, I did not. And that Bama team is incredible. So, but we made it through the season. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> now, lastly, heading to Fort Worth next week, what do you hope to showcase to these, these NFL coaches and scouts? What are you going to bring to the game, to the position? And what can you offer a team? You know, I think the biggest thing I offer is versatility. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think I've shown at wisconsin is just being able to line up is in the traditional fullback spot and do what's needed to be done there and or kind of more of that h-back tight end kind of off the ball blocking mm-hmm. as well and i think i should have good hands and mm-hmm. can run good routes so um, as well as running so i think just a versatile player that uh is hard working and is ready to get to work Those are all the right buzzwords. Versatility, really the name of the game, especially when it comes to special teams. Are you willing and eager to be part of a special teams unit on on an NFL roster? Definitely. I'm willing to play all four phases. So that's a (laughs) big part of fullbacks game in the NFL is to be a big contributor on all special teams. So. Awesome. Well, Mason is ready to go, and so are we. We're going to keep previewing players for the CGS next week, so stay with us, and we'll see you in Fort Worth. Thanks for coming on, Mason. Yep, thank you. All right, Sideline Sass fans, back with another interview heading into this college gridiron showcase week out in fort worth we're going to get to see all of the college talent on display for 32 nfl coaches and scouts it's going to be epic and as you know i'm previewing several players heading into this event they're going to tell us their story we're going to learn about them so that you're ready to go next week now i'm joined by a familiar face to a lot of listeners as i cover the pac-12 quite heavily on the podcast now hunter camp moyer oregon tight end from bishop california and we're going to talk about that because being a california girl myself I did not know where Bishop was, so I've learned a lot already before I even talked to Hunter. So we're going to chat about his journey. Hunter, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Of course. Honestly, it's nice to have somebody from the Pac-12 because, as you know, I'm sure, Pac-12 gets no love across the country. Like, just it's just so frustrating. And when I travel to other places across the country to cover games, and I, you know, I tell them I started in the Pac-12, I covered Stanford, a lot of Cal. They just say, oh, you know, I've never seen those games. They're on too late. And I'm just like, what? Why? Because there's great football in the Pac-12. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially being from Oregon, you I mean, you guys probably get a little less of that because Oregon's such a national name. But when you were growing up, um, you know, in Bishop, did you watch a lot of Pac-12 football? I know you were always an Oregon fan. Yeah, yeah. I watched a lot of the Ducks, a lot of uh, USC growing mm-hmm. up. I mean... When I was younger, USC was kind of like the big team. And oh, yeah. So, you know, kind of looked up to them and, like, all those players that came out of there. And you guys, the, the Oregon Ducks have changed that perception that the Pac-12 needs USC to be good to be relevant. You know, that was always kind of the storyline. But we've seen in recent years that other teams like you, like Washington and Stanford on occasion, when they're good, the conference can be good. Because across the border – all the teams are good. Like, you don't go to Oregon State and think, you know, this is a, a, a game that will win handily or Washington State or anywhere like that because don't you think across the conference it's competitive? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think any 
any Saturday, any team can win. It's really just goes into who prepares the best and who shows up on game day ready to play. Um, everyone has talent. Everyone has great coaches. It's, you know, it's so it's kind of like a, it's very competitive every single week, every single game. Aside from the Civil War, which is a huge thing in and of itself, is there uh, another Pac-12 venue or team that, that was always kind of nerve-wracking to play at or was a good environment that you remember from your time? Uh, always playing Washington is mm-hmm. fun. That's a really big rivalry, Oregon and Washington. And yeah. My uh, my first year when I redshirted, they, they came up to Oregon and they beat us like 70 to 21. <laughs> and the following year, we went to Washington and they beat us again like 48 to 3. Oh, boy. Um, so I put a bad taste in my mouth and a lot of the guys that were on that team and, uh, you know, we kind of took upon ourselves every time we played them to make sure we um, brought a little extra and always had that in the back of our minds when playing them. So that that always uh, made that game a little more fun and interesting every time. <laughs> those are those games are very fun, and they're fun to watch. Even when you see it, you can tell that you guys are just battling it out on the field. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Can get chippy, but it's good. Um, yeah, so you come to Oregon, and your your journey there is interesting. You had several coaches, right, and. The program was trying to find its footing. You yourself came into one position and then found yourself playing tight end when Mario Cristobal takes over. Talk to me a little bit about that transition. Did Coach Cristobal have a lot to do with that? Did you Were you looking to transition to tight end, or did it just kind of happen that way? It just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. I was... Uh... You know, I was playing defensive line, and I was uh, I was on scout team, uh-huh. uh, um, and I was playing on special teams and stuff. Um, and then I, I forget what week it was. I think we were prepping for Stanford or whatever, and they used a lot of tight ends. So oh, yeah. they brought me over to play some like tight end on the scout team, and I just kind of like fell in love with it. And I was doing pretty <laughs> good, you know, with blocking and whatnot, mm-hmm. being a defensive lineman, being physical, and then. I kind of did that for the rest of the season. I was playing scout team, tight end. I was doing a little O-line for the scout team. I was fullback. I was doing you know, <laughs> line, linebacker. I was kind of doing it all. And then at the end of the season, when Chris Ball became the head coach, um, you know, I talked to him about switching, and he was all about it. And, uh, yeah. Special teams is a big part of the tight end, fullback, H-back position. Do you learn to love it? Do you go into it loving it? Or is it just like a natural occurrence that you're going to have to fall in love with it? Uh, I think, <laughs> at least for me, you know, I love physicality. And yeah. I feel like playing on special teams, uh, you got to be pretty physical, especially on, you know, kickoff, kickoff turn, mm-hmm. and playing in field and punt. Um, so I think it just kind of comes naturally. Um, and then obviously getting any opportunity to get on the field is important and you know, that's something I really enjoy. I could see you playing fullback because you see you have that. So I, I'll preface this, and I said this. I just had Mason um, Stocky on here. He's a Wisconsin fullback, and okay. I'm a huge fullback advocate. Yeah. It's my favorite position in the whole world. I will argue to the day I die that it is not dead, in fact. Yeah. You know, college, there's still a lot of fullbacks alive. We see it on every NFL team. But you're yeah. just a little tall for a fullback. Is that is that not right? Uh, yeah, I'm about six four. <laughs> yeah, usually you see those guys at fullback. They're six one, six feet, but they're called yeah. tight ends. And but you're like, wait a minute, that's that's yeah. not a tight end. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I'd, I'd say you know I, I myself proclaim fullback. I uh, I've, I've had okay. a few reps at Oregon where you know I lined up as like a fullback and uh-huh. and in the dirt and. You know, I, I take a lot of pride in that. And like I said, I'm the same. I love fullbacks. I think it's you know a huge part of any offense. And 
add a lot of value to the team and whatnot. So, I, you know, I, I like to say that I play tight end and fullback. And fullback. Okay, perfect. That fits I, That fits nicely with this uh, podcast because we're big. I just had Daryl Johnston the uh, from the Cowboys. He was a fullback. Okay. And we talked for hours about just – how the position is very much alive, but people don't understand it, how it's transitioned in this spread offense. It kind of yeah. got lost in that shuffle a bit, you know, yeah. and so spotting it's a little bit harder, but they're, the fullbacks are still there. They just, their job is transitioned. And now you see guys like Juszczyk and even Kittle, who's like a hybrid in yeah. in the NFL. Do you watch guys like that? Um, do you have a favorite like tight end fullback player in the NFL that you follow and model your game after? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I liked watching. Um, I'm kind of forgetting his name right now. He's the Patriots fullback. He just oh, retired. Devlin, James Devlin. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, James mm-hmm. Devlin. I loved watching. He's James incredible. Devlin he was kind of a taller guy. He was, you know, he was like six three, mm-hmm. like two fifty. He was kind of like a bigger guy, but he was like an old school downhill yeah. blocking fullback. But you know, would sneak out in the flat and catch a ball and whatnot. So yeah. that was kind of something I looked up to. And but really, I, I like watching any. Any tape I can find on fullbacks, you know, <laughs> it'll we have access to some NFL film and whatnot. So I always throw on some clips of you know Pat Ricard mm-hmm. and check and guys like that. CJ Ham and yeah. Keith Smith on the Falcons. I mean, there's so many that are that you you're in a great time where you get to see all these different players and learn from them. So it's and and the technology keeps that alive. It's incredible. Um, do you have a favorite? Okay, this this year itself was. Weird and the Pac-12. I just talked to, like I said, the Wisconsin player, and he was in a similar situation where the Big Ten, you know, they didn't know they were going to play, and then yeah. all of a sudden they came back, and then the Pac-12 was the same way. What was it like to? I mean, you're you're a vet here. This is your, I think, your fifth year, right, with the team. Yeah, yeah. So you've seen a lot of games, a lot of football, but you've probably never seen anything like this year. What was it like? Um, it was <laughs> tough. Uh, you know, kind of having, you know hopes of season and yeah. getting canceled and then uh it getting you know started up again and then get canceled again so there's a lot of a lot of change a lot of ups and downs yeah uh, it was kind of tough but you know i feel like we did a good job at least in oregon of uh keep making sure everyone was uh staying focused staying in shape staying ready to play because we knew eventually we were going to get the green light to play and um you know i think we handled it well a lot of adversity a lot of uh sudden change and whatnot but i think overall um although we were faced with a lot of challenges um you know we we did a lot of good things yeah it's good to have a leader like cristobal who is known for his ability to navigate those and his i don't want to say no nonsense behavior because he does have a sense of humor he's funny but he's very like straightforward guy and um having a coach like that must have made it easier for you guys to navigate that Oh, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Chris Wall's done a good job of implementing, you know, the culture that we have at Oregon that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sets us all up for success. And, um, you know, we all hold each other accountable. We all have high standards. And, you know, it's worked out for us the past few years. Now we're heading into the – we made it across the finish line to college football. We saw the national championship game. It was great. We did it. Now we're into this part of the year where you've got to figure out, you know, how to prepare for this NFL draft in such a weird time. Obviously, you've been training and, and doing all the things that you have to do, but now we're heading into the showcase where you get this ability to show NFL coaches and scouts you know, what you bring to the table for their team, what you could provide. How important is this College Gridiron Showcase to you and your career and your future? Uh, it's really important. You know, I'm excited to get out there and uh, run around and <laughs> 
you know, meet with NFL teams yeah. and stuff like that and just be a part of this uh, showcase. You know, I'm, I'm really excited about the opportunity. Um, and I have a couple of friends and former teammates that are going to be there too. So it'd be good to see them as well and just kind of go through the process with them and just, you know, really enjoy the whole, the whole showcase and the whole opportunity. What are teams going to see when they watch you in these drills and in this scrimmage? What are they going to see that sets you apart at your position and, and what you bring to the table? Hopefully uh, they see that I'm more athletic than a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of known as more of like a blocking tight end, I guess. Um, and hopefully, you know, I can show them that I move well. I'm, you know, faster than I look and whatnot. And uh, just kind of, um, I guess, change that narrative in a way that I'm more than just a blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I mean, we saw that on film, you know, you caught some passes, especially in that USC game. It, would you say that's your most memorable game? Or I wouldn't say memorable because they all have good memories, but yeah. that one really kind of brought you to the forefront, especially on Twitter. I mean, that went around the Twitterverse quite a bit because yeah. being against USC, especially, those were two <laughs> huge passes. So, I mean, did that really kind of break you out of that mold? Yeah, I think that was definitely a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been working really hard, especially this last offseason, working on my hands, my athletic ability, and my route running just to <clears throat> show that I'm more than just a blocking tight end and whatnot. And I feel like, you know, I definitely made strides in the right direction, and I'm excited to continue to make those strides and continue to prove what I'm capable of doing on the field. That's that's a good – this is going to be a good place for you to do that. We're very excited to be partnering with this CGS event and showcasing all the talent that's going to be there now, I want to ask you about Bishop, okay? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you get this a lot, but I could not believe I had not heard of this town, and I'm looking it up on the map and seeing where it is. What was it like, you know, growing up there, playing football in a small town, um, and then especially recruiting in California? It's not always the easiest to get recruited out of here into bigger schools. So what was that process like? It was a little tough getting recruited. <laughs> um, I really had to take it upon myself to reach out to coaches and mm-hmm. try to get my film out there and uh, try to go to camps and whatnot to try to get some uh, recognition. Um, but it was pretty tough. Uh, I think I remember my like sophomore and junior year, <clears throat> I would be emailing coaches like daily uh, <laughs> my film and like a little, I guess, bio of myself yeah. and, and uh, trying to get my name out there. Um, but, you know, I'm, it worked out for me and, you know, I'm, you know, coming from a small town or whatnot, I kind of have that blue collar, hardworking mentality. That's yeah. just kind of like is. Um, so, you know, it's really, it's really been key in like putting me in the position I'm in. So selling yourself to NFL teams is not hard because you already had to do yeah. this one go around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you reported that you go back there a lot, that your, your, your hometown is important to you. Is that something that you think will always be true no matter where you are, that you'll always come back to this town? It's, they say that you go back and speak to the high school, you talk to the players. How important is that to you? Yeah, it's very important. You know, like I said, coming from a small town and being in the position I'm in, a lot of people look up to me and mm-hmm. more than, more than just the kids and stuff. But I feel like anytime I could, uh, you know, offer a word or two to help the the young kids here kind of motivate them to, mm-hmm. you know, drive for bigger things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do it and I love doing it. Um, you know, like I said, Bishop's been there for me. They're, you know, one of my biggest supporters. I always have, I always know, you know, I have Bishop behind me, so I always do my best to kind of um, pay that back. Okay. 
And people may know you from, especially from getting some camera time this season in these big games, you're known for the beard, okay? That's like a thing. And that, that's such a fullback thing because you're talking about James Devlin. He, that was his thing. He had a, always had a beard. And is that like, a, and I, this is a weird question, but like the beard and the tattoos, the whole thing, it's like a tough persona, you know? But you seem like a very nice, you know, well-spoken, quiet guy. Do you like yeah. that you have this exterior that might scare some people off. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of, I like the tattoos. You okay. know, it's like the art. I love it. The beard, <clears throat> the, I've actually kind of, I mean, I still have my beard, but I, I've shaved it recently. Oh, no. Here I shaved off the big beard. So, oh, boy. Kinda, yeah, it's just like a new look, I guess. Okay, new look at CGS. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to key in on that and have to see it. So, <laughs> what of your tattoos? Do you have any favorite one? Are there any really meaning? I know all tattoos are supposed to have meaning, but is there anything special to you um, about any of your tattoos? Yeah, I mean, there's the one I have one on my forearm. It's like a quote, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, constantly like look to one of my favorite quotes. It's, uh, it says, "If one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and mm-hmm. endeavors to live the life which he has imagined, he'll meet a success unexpected in common hours." Wow. Uh, that's and I kind of like to look at every once in a while when I need a little motivation, just to stay confident, stay stay the course, and everything will take care of itself. That is a good message. I like that. I like when <laughs> tattoos have that kind of meaning, unlike yeah. my stupid tattoos, which you know, not not great choices in not great moments. But it's yeah. it's fine. It's still lesson learned. I, last question I want to ask you. I ask all the players about their music choices on game day. I'm a big. I used to be a DJ. I love hearing all the stadium music, and and I'm always curious what you guys are listening to before games. Now, my talent is usually to be able to you know, predict what you might listen to. But I have been just batting zero lately with these guys because you guys listen to all kinds of different stuff now. I mean, I had one kid tell me he listens to Samurai Warrior sounds before games. Like, yeah. So so I was going to say country with you, maybe classic country, like more, you know, uh, rock country. But I honestly have no idea. So why don't you just tell me? Because I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, I, I, I would say on game day, I like to kind of listen to calmer music. I listen to like reggae. Oh, see, yeah, would never have guessed that. Nope. Yeah. And it's something to kind of calm me down. Okay. Make sure I'm locked in, focused. Uh, but sometimes if I'm feeling a little crazier, I'll listen to some, uh, you know, hip hop or some, okay. uh, country, some, some harder stuff like that. Okay. Reggae. So like slightly stupid or irate, uh, like what kind of I like. BG, uh, okay. like Green, Sammy Johnson, stuff like that. Wow. Okay. See, would not would not have got it. But you're not someone who needs extra pumping up. Like you need reining in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I like to lock in before the game, just kind of understand what I'm doing, and once I get on the field, kind of go crazy. <laughs> I love it. I've always been curious. What music does Coach Cristobalison do? Because to me, I just feel like he listens to the revelry horn every morning. Like <laughs> I wish I knew what music he listens. <laughs> that is what I'm dying to find out one day because he yeah. he's hard to figure out. He's a very you know yeah. complicated creature. But I just like to imagine him waking up and listening to military sounds because that just that that's what I think. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, looking forward to seeing you next week and, you know, wishing you the best in your future endeavors. Thank you. I appreciate it.